This is Overwatch. Tune in for the latest information and news for the hunting, shooting and outdoors. So I've been loving doing this Overwatch segment and trying to keep current with things that are happening in the hunting space. And obviously big news this week with um, some positive coming out of Victoria that the duck season is still there. Uh, I know I've put it out on social media. I think it's a small win. I don't think it's a massive win because there is a bit of ground lost. And for me, a massive win would be gaining ground in any of the hunting things and adding to what we've already got but that hasn't sort of happened so i thought rather than me just talk about this i'll get two people on who have far more expertise and knowledge of the situation they've been on the podcast before you would have heard them so i've got denny ryan and troy skeen from honker hunters back again thanks boys for joining us what that's very interesting been a big week matt been a big week <laughs> it's been very interesting like from me i was hearing that duck hunting was gone and that was you know the news that was sort of getting bandied about and that hasn't happened which is pleasing in my books but there are some limitations and some differences which are going against some of the science that was getting put out there on what the actual season now entails. Is that correct? Um, yes, um, but if we roll back to duck hunting was gone, well, um, that's that's probably something we, we could talk about first. That was the outcome of the select committee process uh, that finished up in August that released a report on the 30th of August in 2023 into Parliament, and um, there was eight recommendations that that committee made, and the first one was to ban duck hunting from 2024 and then there was seven other recommendations with things as diverse as hunter education into Indigenous uh, matters, further testing, proficiency testing, converting state game reserves into public outdoor recreation areas, a couple of things tied to amenity and issues like that. So so in terms of the government response that's that's now taken five months um, to follow through, obviously everyone worked very, very hard. Key thing to remember from that select committee report was that it was a nine-person panel and the Labor guys, there was three Labor, three coalition and then three crossbench. The crossbench was AJP Greens and Jeff Borman from the Shooters and Fishers Farmers Party. The end result was that effectively that report suggested that uh, four people formed a majority view and then five people uh, put in dissenting or minority reports when that report went in. So to complicate matters for government, that was a real spanner in the works, when one of the Labor members put forward a dissenting report or, or a minority report because she fundamentally disagreed with many of the outcomes that she had initially voted for in solidarity with her other two panel members. So Quite an interesting set of circumstances for that report. Um, yeah, we, we knew that the select committee was stacked and uh, it's just sort of been well run over. But for the government to turn around and take on some aspects of that um, select committee report and then effectively ignore and dismiss the very first recommendation, which was to ban duck hunting, is not just a small win. That's a, that's a massive win and it's a win for common sense. And I think there's been a lot of been a lot of articles in the press um, following on and there's a lot of Labor MPs now that I think will be 
questioning or sitting back and, and making other decisions now, uh, because th this certainly won't be an aspect that will change up and for the period while the current premier sits in the in the big chair in the big office down at Spring Street. So I think that you will see some solidarity now from Victorian Labor. There's a support hunting that has come out of all of this. Um, as duck hunting continues, quail hunting continues. Yes. There will be some of the recommendations adopted and we will sit down and try and work out with government and regulators and whoever else is going to be involved, how that process goes uh, moving forward. So I guess from my point of view, uh, a major win by a lot of people that worked very, very hard on this process since the select committee was announced. Um, I know there will be some people that will think that this is an adverse decision, particularly this year's season recommendations or the outcomes. And I uh, I agree with those viewpoints and I've fired off uh, several emails in the last 48 hours seeking some questions to some of those answers around that. So, but Troy, maybe you might want to jump in and, and give your viewpoint on the select committee process and the announcement yesterday, or uh, Monday, sorry, the day before. Um, I think you've pretty much covered it from my point of view. Mine comes from a general hunting point of view where uh, if you look at it as a general person, you've got a GMA recommendation that is backed by science and data that says we should receive 12 weeks and um, a nine-bird bag limit, and then all of a sudden we receive half that. And not only is the frustration coming from there, but in my point of view, my frustration comes from planned holidays where you miss certain weekends. And a main point for me is, you know, they've disregarded that recommendation by GMA and made up their own thing. Now, where's that come from for starters? Obviously from the minister or something like that, internal. Um, but also openings on a Wednesday, there's an 8 a.m. start for the whole season, not just the first, first couple of days or weekend. Um, so openings on a Wednesday and closings on a Wednesday. So why couldn't they extend that, that um, hunting season for another four or five days, go into the long weekend in June so families can go away, like myself, take the whole family, bring back a harvest with the family and make that your closing weekend? Now... To start on a Wednesday and end on a Wednesday is just purely frustration and I think it's just a tactical point of view to get less interest in hunting and duck hunting. Can I ask, as someone that obviously I'm from New South Wales, we haven't even got it up here, which is a travesty, um, other than doing crop protection essentially. What is different? So if we go back a couple of years, what has been lost? So you're, I'm hearing a little bit that it's a, you know, there was two long weekends people used to be able to go away for and hunt on and now they're gone altogether? Uh, this is probably, so, so long term, historically in Victoria, we've had anywhere up to a three and a half month season. Many, many years ago, it started the last weekend in February and finished the first week of, or on the public holiday, Monday, Queen's birthday weekend in June. It moved some time ago and then was the third Saturday and has been uh, in our regulations 2012 to 22. Uh, the regulated length of the season was the third Saturday in March until the second Monday in June. So there's been ministers that have changed that and moved the goalposts. We saw shortening of the season due to COVID in 2021 and then um, 20. Two, there was still a little bit of follow-on from that. And then obviously last year, we had a very adverse decision down here in Victoria on our recreational duck hunting season by a minister who's now shown her true colours and he's, and he's an out-and-out anti-hunting celebrity within uh, within some 
walks of life in Victoria, uh, but she's no longer in her position, and so she's no longer making decisions on the, the duck season. So, um, But Troy hit the nail on the head a moment ago when he said, has this decision come from the GMA? Um, all of the science and data that the GMA have is incredibly strong this year. Um, if mm. we look at some of the Prowse data and apply that to the Arthur Ryla um, abundance count data, which is basically going to be the backbone of the adaptive harvest model from 2025, then the harvest this year should have been over 700,000 birds if you take 10%. So 10% is a very, very conservative number in percentage offtake. And Professor Prowse suggested we could go up to 30% on some particular species. So if you take middle, even if you take middle of the road, 15 or 20%, you know, this is a harvest of 1.4 million birds. And Victoria's never done that. So to get even close, no. you'd have to go back to 2011. And to try and get a harvest level like that, which is sustainable because that's what the science says, to get a harvest level like that, would be there would be a 22-bird bag limit per day. Um, with the current amount of hunters mm. that we have in Victoria, so so I think they I think there's been a little bit of I'm not too sure how it's happened, where it's happened, why it's happened. There's, that's the questions that are being asked at the moment. We should all be celebrating the retention of duck hunting, but yes, we should still have uh, a full length season, and we should still have all of the other things that go along with it. So there'll be some information to come out. Um, I'm seeking some answers in, in part of what I do now for VDHA. And then I'm, and I'm sure other hunting organisations are doing the same thing. So maybe there might be some people out there that can join the dots together, but uh, let's, let's wait and see what um, the, G, the actual GMA uh, recommendation is. But, you know, and like Troy said, yeah, there's, some, there's some perplexing ones in there. Um, you know, the government, Victorian government's um, spent heavily on the Sustainable Hunting Action Plan number two, um, you know, they dedicated $5.4 million to that from 2017 to 2022. And we're now seeing a lot of things that were in that program popping out. And a lot of them address some of the key issues from the select committee process as well. We see a wounding reduction action plan that, that's in place. And the minister actually specifically mentioned that in his press report on Monday. And we now see an 8 a.m. start time every morning, which is seems to be a nod to the amenity factor, i.e. not waking people up early if you're shooting at you know, 6.05 a.m. Um, so, but what it also does is produces adverse conditions to ethically and morally harvest ducks mm. inside of 35 yards. They just, yeah, if you've got a full sunlight day, um, 8 a.m., the birds have been up and about for two hours and you know, it's just going to make life extremely, it makes hunting 10 times harder. And, and we're trying to, move away from that. We're trying to make hunting mm. um, better. We're trying to reduce wounding. We're trying to do all of the things as a proficient hunter that helps you put game in the bag cleanly, quickly, clearly, and yet we've got some adverse decisions made against that. So there's some perplexing questions in amongst some of those decisions that have been made, and we've just got to work our way through those. The other key point that I took away from the minister's press release from Monday is probably the most important one. And it's been overlooked because everybody's talking about eight o'clock and everyone's talking about six birds and things like that. But the key line for me is that from 2025, the adaptive harvest model will provide the science that will dictate the season conditions. So I take that as a positive step and uh, we'll be making sure that uh, going forwards that it is the science and not any political Overview or input. That's what concerns me this year is the science and all that was there. 
Correct. So why are we still restricted as hunters? I mean, and as you said before, we as hunters want to reduce wounding and we want to do the right things and we're ethical and all that sort of stuff. Um, and 99% of us do the right thing, yet we are still being restricted every season and these things being implemented that just are just not really meant to be there. But we still still seem like we're being punished as hunters, if that makes sense. It, it does make sense, Troy, and you're right. Um, why would an activity with 99.3% compliance rates need further regulation and heavier regulation. Like we can understand a little bit of revision type training like wit tests and maybe some online quizzes and things like that and maybe maybe I don't want to go into proficiency testing because I think that that's something that's going to be a long way into the future because there's just simply not the resources available to do that in any any sort of immediate or even two-year time frame. So, but there's a lot of things that, yeah, you're right. It's, and I guess, and I've taken on board that a lot of people in the hunting community feel slighted again, but I guess from where we were from the 30th of August in 23 with that select committee report coming down saying ban it to where we are on the 31st of, uh, well, actually it was announced on the 29th of January. So where we are on mm. the 29th of January 24, I think we're in a, much better position than we were. I know um, I've already had some conversations and discussions around uh, the new game regs. The government department that's running that will have to have that out by the end of March to get into the correct timeframes for regulatory impact statements and input and things like that. So I know the game regs are going full steam ahead. We've got the Wildlife Act rewrite and we've got the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, which has now got a new name, and I can't remember what it is, but that that act is being rewritten as well. So hunting is not mentioned in that act, so we've just got to keep our fingers on the pulse and make sure that 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 is retained because there is some people within government that want hunting included in protection of cruelty to animals, especially the RSPCA So uh, and yeah, some of the antis. So it's a lot of positives. I know there's a lot of negatives as well, but I, I think people have just probably got to take a bit of a deep breath and have a think about where we're at, what we've got to do now. That's probably the big question. There's still a lot of questions, but, yeah, and I, and I hope people that are listening um, sit back and, and just have a think about it for a little while and, and you know, then we sort of all, we're all going to be in the same boat together and we've all got to be paddling in the same direction. Yeah, look, I think it's a it's an interesting one for me viewing it up here and I I see the both sides. I see that I think oh, there's some things there I don't think are bad things, like improved hunter education and things like that. I can't see that as a negative any stretch of the imagination. The wounding rate, I believe, with some conversations, is quite low already from the previous data. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I'll jump in again here, Troy. Sorry, but um, I did a pile of work and analysis on the wounding rate, and we, we actually submitted that in the Victorian Duck Hunters Association recommendation to the GMA. And we spent quite a bit of time pulling apart all the data that came from the Norman study from 1959 through to 1981, where he had produced a series of wounding indexes that was anywhere from 6% to 22% or somewhere in around about there. And we've seen the GMA replicate the exact same methodology that Norman used in that time frame. And we've seen a wounding rate that came back at 3.4% and 2.4%. So when you crunch those numbers and you pay attention and have a look at what that produces, we've already seen from the last time that Norman did a study, we've already seen a massive reduction 
in the wounding rate. Now, the GMA can sit there and point to data and, and say this and say that, but we're comparing apples for apples here. So we are looking at the exact same methodology that Norman used from 1953 through to 1977, or in the early 80s, actually. So it's the same methodology. They did it the same way. The GMAs copied it, done it the same way. And we have anywhere from 150 to a 691% reduction in those indices that was from uh, 42 years ago, from uh, you know, that time frame, 53 to 77. Now, there's a number of reasons for that. You know, there's, there's less hunters. We have different methodologies, been more education and training. There's been more gun clubs. People go clay target shooting. People are more proficient. Um, we've got better equipment, duck calls, decoys, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we've also got probably, you know, we went from 100,000 duck hunters in Victoria in the early 80s down to 26,000. So we've got probably more committed, a more committed cohort of hunters. So, But the wounding argument and the rhetoric that is still grabbed by these uh, anti uh, radical anti hunting mobs and who quote you know six to forty percent and Liz Walker from the RSPCA was on the news yesterday you know, spruiking that it was anywhere from six to forty percent and hundreds of yes. thousands of birds will be wounded you know the argument just doesn't wash water but just doesn't hold water sorry and and unfortunately unless you get a hold of a journalist who's prepared to listen it's really difficult to counter that argument because it's so mm. emotive so. But that, that's where we'll be concentrating a lot of work on in the next couple of weeks is about this wounding rate and to get some of the data back in front of government and back in front of the minister. Now, our Minister Demopoulos has a copy of this data because um, I know because it was hand-delivered and uh, I, I know he, he should be aware of it, uh, but we're going to be working pretty hard on, on the wounding rate one as we as we move forward because that's, that's one of the, the – issues that probably is the greatest issue that we're constantly attacked on now. Um, yeah, we, we've won the sustainability argument. We've won most of the amenity argument. We've won the locations where we go hunting argument. We, you know, we, we've ticked all the boxes on most of the major things. The one thing that's going to hurt us and continue, continue is the wounding rate. And the only way to fix those numbers and drive those numbers even further down is to become better and more proficient hunters and, you know, don't shoot the going away birds. Shoot the birds that are in front of you coming in, you know. Don't pass shoot mm. 55, 60-yard birds. Don't be standing in the middle of a duck swamp and, and sky bust. You know, this year there's 7.4 million birds in Victoria. Um, if one goes past you at 80 yards, there's going to be another one come past you at 25 yards at some point in time shortly. So, there's no need to take those big long shots when you don't need to. But I hate dictating and trying to tell people how to hunt, but um, that, that's just some of the priorities that we're going to have to start assessing and looking at um, when we go out into the field. Is the cost of the licence, has there been any offset because of a shorter season and the number of birds going against the research? No. Okay. Yeah, it's very interesting from – I see all those perspectives of it. I can see – why it's a it's a big win in the sense that it's still here when we thought it was definitely gone and then all these other restrictions i know danny on a previous podcast we talked about a death by a thousand cuts i think that was the comment you made in regards to it and i looking at this with some of the restrictions compared to what's been in the past i can understand why people are seeing that as going along that pathway and trajectory everyone was frustrated last year with the license fees and reduced season they want money back and once again i've seen it on social media this year again where you know people are paying for that year license but only receiving like last year four weeks this week you know this time it's reduced again and they want compensation things like that but 
if you, like me, look at the big picture and, as Danny said, just get excited that, yes, um, we've had the win and you are able to shoot ducks this year and pay the licence, show some initiative and get others involved, sit their wit test and let's get about it. I think that's a big one because if, if people aren't buying those licences too and those numbers start to diminish, there's a problem as well that could lead to further restrictions and the potential that duck hunting doesn't stay around. Correct. And, and this has been pointed out again and again and again to government that restrictions of season length, reductions of bag limits, further regulation forces hunters to exit, they certainly don't spend any money when they stop hunting and they don't spend any and, and they don't mm. spend as much money when there's restricted seasons. So I've had this economic discussion with many people many times and I've made it very plain and clear that, you know, in a year where there's exceptional circumstances, we always see a massive bump in licensing. So if you go back and have a look at the 2011 season in particular and then you have a look at 2017 where, you know, full bird, full length season, full bag limits, big numbers of birds, big bumps. We saw license numbers increase from, you know, somewhere around the 20,000 mark to 25,000. So put that into economic perspective and percentage increases, that's a, a massive increase in, in numbers. And this is what we keep trying to say to the people that, um, that are making the decisions on this is that, you know, you want to drag the economic argument in and say that, you know, hunters don't contribute as much to the Victorian economy. Well, we can understand that because if you keep fiddling with seasons and you keep reducing things and taking away from us, then, of course, people are going to quit. So it's like I said this to someone a little while ago, if they took half the seats out of the MCG and you can only fit 50,000 people in the MCG, what are the gate takings going to be like? Or if you shorten an AFL game from four quarters down to two quarters and you only play half the amount of football and you give them half the amount of seats, then what's going to happen to the income for the AFL for and for the Melbourne Cricket Club at the MCG. So I know it's probably that's a little bit difficult for some people to grasp, particularly it seems people that are making some of these decisions sometimes, but you know, it's that that's it in a nutshell, really. All right, Troy, you got anything else to add before we wrap it up, mate? No, I think we've covered just about all bases. All right, guys, I uh, really appreciate you guys are down there, far more experienced than me, and, and hence why I wanted you on here to talk about it and uh, bring your expertise to the table. So I really appreciate your time. At the end of the day, duck hunting is still around in Victoria, so that's fantastic news. And hopefully it'll get better and better as we go on into the future. And not only that, Matt, let, let's not forget South Australia. Let's not forget the South Australian Select Committee decision that came down and, and was in support of hunting. So now we have still got Tasmania, Northern Territory, South Australia, Victoria, New South Wales with its R license season and the way that they run bird, DPI run bird hunting in, in New South Wales. Uh, and then you've got the unregulated states, shall we call them, Queensland and WA. So because it's um, yeah, unregulated in those in those two states. So, so things are looking good, and, and then hopefully when we all band together, we can continue to drive hunting forward in this country, and it won't only just be duck and quail. It'll, it'll mean the retention of deer hunting as well for those guys who think that uh, if I'm shooting deer, duck and quail is going to have no effect on me. Believe me, it will, and now that we've, we've safeguarded it in Victoria, that's going to have better flow-on consequences for the rest of the country as well. Great talking to you as, as normal, and... Uh, 
I'll leave that with you. That's pleasing to hear because I saw the other day that uh, in Victoria they're looking at reclassifying some of the public land and moving it over to national parks, which is, you know, something that is a little concerning from my perspective, but uh, good to hear and I hope that as we uh, move forward we can retain and grow the hunting sport and what we love to do. So, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. All right, listeners, bye for now. If you have a topic, guest, question, or any gear that you want to hear about on the podcast, shoot us an email, australianhuntingandbeyond at gmail.com. Alternatively, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All the links are in the show notes. If you haven't already, make sure you give us a review and subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.